Amen. Let's turn our Bibles this morning to John chapter 11. John chapter 11, and, and we'll begin reading in verse 38. John chapter 11, verse 38. It says this, Jesus therefore again groaning in himself cometh to the grave. It was a cave and a stone laid upon it. Jesus said, Take ye away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Verse 40. John chapter 11, verse 40. Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. In verse 14. You notice there was no answer from Martha. There was action. In verse 14, then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was bound with a, uh, about with a napkin. And Jesus said unto them, Loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. And this morning, I believe the sermon that the Lord's laid upon my heart to preach is a sermon entitled, Lessons from the Dead. Lessons from the Dead. Let's pray. Father, again, I come before you, and I ask, Lord, that your word will be preeminent, and that, Father, that your Holy Spirit may continue to walk through, this, uh, through the aisles and to the hearts of your people, and that, Father God, that your spirit may be evident here. I thank you, Father, for the Word of God. Thank you, Lord, that you've preserved it for us, for our learning. And I ask again, may you just help me to say whatever you want me to say. And Lord, and put aside all my selfish thoughts, things that I, I want to say. God, you are merciful God to me, and I thank you for the opportunity to preach this morning. It's a privilege. In Jesus' name, amen. Lessons from the dead. If you if you weren't here for a long time, uh, you, you know my family. We um, a majority of our family are still in the Philippines. There are some that are here, um, and we had the the privilege to go back to the Philippines earlier last week. Um, our grandma passed away, so my Lola, um, she she went to be with the Lord, and there in the Philippines you have um, this this certain traditions that they have. Um, it's not really. Pretty, it's, not, it's not religious in any sense. It's just a tradition that they have, especially in the country towns that we live in, not, not so much in the cities. Um, and so they leave the, the body of the loved one in the house for a couple of days. And so I, I went there, and knowing, knowing the, the tradition that we usually take, I, I went there, and I sort of, in my mind, I, I thought to myself, you know, I get, I get to go, get away from preaching for a little bit, and and I know I'm preaching once at a church, Open Door Baptist Church in the Philippines. And um, I knew that I was going to preach once, and so I was preparing for that sermon. When we arrived in the barrio, I, I, um, 
I was intrigued by the pastor that was there, and he asked me, he said, EJ, are you ready to preach? And obviously, as a, as a, a lover of the scriptures, when you're given an opportunity to preach, you preach. And so I said, yes, we'll preach. And so majority of the time that I was there, every day I was preaching. And every day I had an opportunity to open up the Bible and give promises of Scripture. Talking about one day that we'll be resurrected with Him. That, that Jesus Christ one day will have, will have um, gone and prepared a place for us. And if it were not so, He would have told us. And, and, and it's a beautiful thought that when you, when you get to stand up and you preach, in a, especially in a, in a funeral where the person you love so much is in a better place than where they were now, the joy sort of overcomes you. And, and don't get me wrong, there was grieving. There were people wailing and there was people shaking the casket and, and begging for forgiveness to an empty body, a shell of my Lola. And she's no longer there. She's there with Jesus Christ. Amen. And only 10 years ago, uh, um, wait, what, what year is it? 2017. In year 2017 years ago, it, it almost seemed like it was just yesterday. I, I went to the, to the funeral of my grandpa. And there on the side of, of my grandpa's casket, my grandma received Jesus Christ. She got saved. And then my uncles and my aunties got saved that day. And I prayed to the Lord before when, I was, when we were on the plane all the way to Manila. I asked God, God, I do not understand why this has happened. I understand in the sense of physical ailment and age and things like that, but why now? Then I asked him, I said, God, please, could you just do something? Whether it's in the people or whether it's in my life, just, just do something that I could see that this was your plan. And obviously it was. Lessons from the dead. I, I remember stepping out and, and driving all the way to Belesteros, and there was these fields on both sides. It was a beautiful place. And it was just finished harvest season, so the, all the fields are no longer um, green or tall grass. They're all... There's some that are, uh, the grass has fallen, and it's sort of, um, the machines could not take it up anymore. So they'll get people, and they'll hire people to pick it up by hand and not machine anymore, because the machines can only take the, the tall grass. And I remember driving through that, and as, before we got to the, 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 uh, our, our local place, I asked myself, you know, these, these properties, these lands, they're worthless without anything growing on them. If you, if you bought a piece of property and, and all it did was sit there and stand there and just look pretty but was not producing anything, then to that person, that land was infertile. It's not worth it. It's not worth the money that they paid for it. But to the untrained eye, I looked at these fields and I, and I thought that to myself, man, these fields are dead. There's nothing that's here. It's all just muddy and it's just, it's just wet and it's raining everywhere. There's nothing here, but do you know what? To the, to the trained eye, to the person that has sown the seeds, to those that have har- uh, that, that sown the rice and the pali, do you know what happens? They see that as a benefit, an opportunity, a situation where they can get profit out of this thing that in my sight was dead. And so today I'd like to teach to you and, and just share to you what the Lord has taught me these past few days. The first point today is this. God's thoughts are greater than ours. God's thoughts are greater than ours. 
if we sat down and we thought about every problem and everything that's come to our mind and you say, God, why did you do that? Or why did this happen to my life? Or why are you attacking my kids? Or why are you allowing health sicknesses to come in? And if you sit there for ages and ever and ever and ever, what you will find is that you'll never understand the mind of God. Why? Because his mind is far more incredible than yours. Here we have a situation in the scriptures about Lazarus. Put up your hand if you've heard about this, this, this story before. Yeah, we have some? Yeah. A lot of people have. God's thoughts are greater than our thoughts. In verse 39, John eleven thirty nine says this, Jesus said, take ye away the stone. He didn't say, I'm going to raise up Lazarus. He said, take the stone away. And Martha says this, Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. So you have to understand in the, in the Philippines, uh, the body usually stays inside the house for nine days. But the, the body is, is usually, has some chemicals in there. They, they sort of just help it to live for, for over, um, I think it's for 11 or 12 days that that thing sort of wears out after 11, 12 days. So that's the us, usual time is nine, about nine days. So every morning when I woke up, I, I saw my gram, grandma's feet out of my bedroom. I woke up, that's my grandma, grandma's right there. And I'll say, morning, grandma. I walk off, have breakfast. Walk back. Hey, Grandma. Walk back to my room. You say, well, is it a joke to you? No, it's not. Because I know that's not my grandma. I know that's her body. Yeah, I understand that. But she's there with my grandpa up in heaven, talking to Jesus. Amen? God's mind, God's thoughts are greater than our thoughts. See, Martha was a reasonable woman. You think about it. The body was not refrigerated. Understand that. The tomb where he, he was laid, there was no air conditioning inside there to continue to help the body from decaying. The, the tomb was not, um, didn't have a Daihatsu split air conditioner, whatever it is. The body was now exposed to the elements, and for some reason, for some reason, it wasn't primed for death. They didn't take the organs out or whatever it may be. But reasonably, this woman turned around, and obviously that's her brother. She loved him and, and said to, to Jesus, it's been four days, Jesus. He already smells. Remember, the thought is God's thoughts are, are greater than ours. Sometimes God's working in your life is reasonable, and sometimes it's not reasonable. We sang a song um, this morning in Sunday school, and it, and it, it talked about drawing me nearer, draw me nearer to thy precious bleeding side. And I had to reconvey that to the teenagers because the thought was is that sometimes when we pray that God draw me nearer to you, God's not going to send a bed of roses to you. Amen? When, 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 when you say, God, draw me nearer towards you, do you know what? Sometimes he doesn't send you an easy way over. He doesn't give you a bridge to cross. What happens is sometimes he allows hardships in your life and you wake up one morning and you ask God, God, I don't understand what you're doing and it's not reasonable in my sight, but yet I will trust in you. And that next step for you to trust in the almighty God and his promises far exceeds your fear. 
Have you ever seen someone bitter towards God? I have. Do you know oftentimes that bitterness is a shroud for something else? It's fear. fear they fear what God's going to do to them, or to their family. They fear because they no longer trust the word of God anymore. They base it on feeling. And one day I feel like I'm walking with God and the next day I'm not. But the, the scriptures are clear. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. The Bible is true, amen. God's thoughts are greater than ours. Isaiah 55, you know the verse, verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Here we had a reasonable woman. But sometimes God's working is not reasonable. A sub-point to that, God's thought is greater than our thoughts. Uh, God's thoughts are greater than ours, is this. When you cannot see, listen. When you cannot see, listen. Verse uh, 43, John chapter 11, verse 43 says this. And when he had thus he had spoken, thus when he had thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, "Lazarus, come forth!" And Lazarus didn't come forth with a with a nice Giorgio Armani suit or some Iron William boots. No, when when Lazarus came forth out of the that, that tomb, he was bound hand and foot. It says here um, in in verse forty four. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face, his face was bound with a, a, about with a napkin. And so here the thought is, is, was for me, it's not really the, the, the thought that, hey, it's, it's not reasonable. I'm talking to the Christians now. I'm talking about the thought is you know, sometimes we get into a position in our life where it's so hard to understand because we look at things. And we, we, we don't know what we're doing, why we're doing it. But sometimes if we're not careful, we'll close our ears as well. And when the man of God stands up and preaches the word of God, not preaches his own thought, but preaches what the word of God says, sometimes we close our ears like this, and then we wonder why we're not listening, we cannot hear the word of God. And then we wonder why this, everything we do, it seems like a, a farce. It, feel, it feels fake. It's not real anymore. Why? Because you come to church with this predisposition that church is not going to feed me. I'm going to feed it. I will serve in church. I will play piano in church. I will sing in church. But the truth is, church was not for you to serve in. Two, it's to serve with. And as the orchestra was playing as that special music came on man my heart was blessed it was why because it's all a part for service for God when you cannot see listen imagine the thought that would have arose in Lazarus's mind once you was dead now you're alive now think about it this time your your hands are bound your feet are bound your whole body's bound and and there's a napkin on your face, Brother John. 
But you hear a voice that you've heard before. The voice of Jesus. You know what you do? You follow it. You follow it. Questions he asks himself maybe, what am I still doing here? Can somebody help me? I can't see anything. Our duty as believers are not to, it is not just to simply trust Him, even though um, our duty as believers is to simply trust Him. Amen. Our duty as believers is to simply trust Him, even though we cannot understand what He is doing or why He is doing it. Simply trust Him. In, in Proverbs chapter 15, verse 3, I'm reminded that the Lord sees us and He sees you. He understands your faults. He understands your failures. He says, He says, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. In John chapter 14, verse 1, He reminds His, his followers, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. That beautiful thought, in my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I go and prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Isn't that beautiful? If you cannot see, listen. God's thoughts are greater than ours. So now, second point. Again, I won't be long tonight, uh, today. Simply this. We are responsible to help those who have been resurrected. We, have, we are responsible to help those who have been resurrected. See, we can apply this story in, in so many ways, but we can apply the truth in, in one way. Uh, as a new Christian that has passed from death to life. Amen? Isn't that a blessed thought? I was, I was talking to someone this week. She, he was a... He was a senior teacher in a local school, and I was sharing the gospel to him. And, and, and he said, oh, you know, it's a sad thought that your, your Lola is dead. I said, yeah, it is. But I'll tell you something, uncle. The blessed thought is that she has already passed from death to life. And that didn't happen at the point of death, my friend. That happened when she got saved. And 17 years ago, when she received Jesus Christ, she passed from death to life. And throughout those 17 years, man, she loved God. She served God. She sent her kids to church because her body was failing. See, the thought is, is that our, 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 our application of Scripture can, uh, can be applied to a new Christian that passed from death to life, but it can also be applied to a Christian that has backslid out of church and into the world. See, Lazarus was already known by Jesus. Jesus mourned Lazarus. When he saw the people mourning for him, he, he groaned in himself, and he said that Jesus wept, one of the shortest passages, or these shortest uh, verse in the Scriptures. Jesus wept. You know, there's, um, as a Christian, there's, there's some opportunities for us to step out of the will of God. And one of, one of my cousins asked me, he said, um, Guya, what, why, did, why did God, God sort of leave the tree in the garden? Like, if he knew that all this, the, all this kasalan and all these, all these problems and all these sinfulness will come from this tree, why did God leave it in the garden? 
Firstly, I said, well, God's thoughts higher than my ways, but I think that God gets the glory when someone chooses to serve Him rather than forced to serve Him. God gets ultimate glory and ultimate power when someone says, I can do wrong right now, but I want to serve you instead. And I said to, and, and, and the concept is the same. Every day we choose to serve the Lord. You choose to walk with God. Christian, today, you chose to come to church. No one forced your arm. No, you chose to come to church. Why? Because you want to give Him glory. You want to give Him honor. But the thought is, is this, it's, it's for this story could be applied to a Christian that has walked away from God or that have gone and hurt some, some way or, or someone that is a sinner, told another sinner about a sinner, and he got offended by it. And they said in their heart, I will never come back to this church ever again. And there are some here at this church right now that you said that to yourself. But you knew once you stepped out, the Holy Spirit began to work in your heart. No, no, I need to get back. I need to worship again. I need to get back to walking with God again. And this is a place where I can get fed. Amen. We can also apply it to the stagnant Christian who has never left the doors of this church but has never truly surrendered their life for God. There's a lot of applications of this story. So the second point is simply this. We are responsible to help those that have been resurrected. There are people, there are brothers and sisters that are still not here. There are people that I grew up with, and I was telling the teens a couple weeks back, I said I grew up with a lot of teenagers. A lot of boys grew up in this church. And I can, I can only name one. And I'm in my, one in my batch of teenagers that grew up with me that still come to this church. One. Out of all the people that sat in the, in the back of this class, uh, back of this this um, auditorium, and we sat down and we listened to the Sunday school teaching. I, I can name one person that was in my year. Isn't that crazy? But the thought is they're over there somewhere in the world, but the Holy Spirit's still working in their heart. And hey, it's time for you to get back. I don't want you to do this to you. I don't want you to get scolded for what you're doing. You need to get back to church. And the Holy Spirit will never release someone. I know people in this church that have left church completely only to be reunited, amen, with brothers and sisters again. And the joy and the fellowship that was once broken is now restored. Why? Because it's our responsibility as Christians, our responsibility to help those that have been resurrected. You see, in the, in the, in the passages that we just read, it says here, in verse, in, in verse 41, and they, plural, took away the stone. And they took away the stone. And it says here, in, in verse 44, at the end of verse 44, it said, Jesus saith unto them, loose him and let him go. He didn't say to, he didn't say to Lazarus, Lazarus, take off, take off all the garments that's holding you back and you let yourself go. No, no. He said to those that were there, you saw the miracle, now loose him and let him go. And the thought is this, this, this morning is that there are people in our church that have looked into ministry 
and before you were serving in ministry. You were a Sunday school teacher. You actually were here in the orchestra. You were actually in the choir. And do you know what you've done is that section of your life you've put away and you've died to. And the Holy Spirit is working in your life saying, hey, why don't you get back serving for him? And the thought is, is that next week we're going to have this, 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 um, this sign-up day. Ministry market. Where you have an opportunity again to say, hey, I cut that out of my life. But I want to get back to it. And God's saying, hey, it's time to resurrect that. You know, there are some great teachers that are here that are not teaching. There are wonderful singers that are here that are not singing. There are men and ladies here that are great with cleaning, with maintenance, but you're not doing it. Why? Because you said to yourself way, way back that it's not for me no more because I'm a businessman. I wear a suit. I could talk about this and I could talk about that, but I will not get a vacuum and vacuum the floor. Shame. You miss out. The best revivals that I had as a child was vacuuming these floors. The best revivals, teenagers, that I had here at this church was making sure that these hymnals were underneath the seats in the right manner. You say, why? Because every, every seat I prayed on, I asked God, God, whoever's sitting on this seat every Sunday, please work in their life. Do something greater. And allow them to take more things from, from, from the preaching, from the singing than ever before. And that, that mindset that was in, instilled in me, I still do today. And when we say we're praying for you, I see our pastor kneel down and pray for you. You should be thankful for that. You shouldn't take it for granted. And the reason may be why the devil hasn't gotten you in an area is maybe because your wife is praying for you or maybe because your husband's praying for you. And sometimes it's not your own strength. It's someone else helping you. And the reason why you're in church today is because of a faithful mom and a faithful dad. But the thought is this. We are responsible to help those that have been resurrected, those that have been dead, now passed unto life, those that have ministry in their hearts but cannot serve or do not serve and now they want to this is our responsibility it says this in Haggai chapter 1 verse 5 Haggai chapter 1 verse 5 it says this in verse 5 now therefore thus saith the Lord of hosts consider your ways we are responsible to help those that have been res- resurrected. Haggai chapter 1, verse 5. Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Ye have sown much and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but are not, f- the, but are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he, he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your way. You know, Haggai was actually talking to um, God's children. This whole thing that he was saying about you, you, you work and, and it just goes into a bag and it disappears, that wasn't to the unsaved people. That was God's people. 
And he was, he was pinning the error of the negligence of the house of the Lord. Not on, not on the evil people. No, no. He's, he was pinning on God's people. Us. Why? Because we're not considering our ways. We do not consider it. And the thought is we are responsible to help those that are resurrected. Verse 40, John chapter 11, verse 44, he says, in the end of it, says, Jesus saith unto them, loose him and let him go. There are two things that Jesus commanded those around to do. One is this, loose him. Those things that were a hindrance to his mobility, he was bound hand and foot. His hands could not work. His feet could not walk. Loose him. Now let me ask you a question, church. Can you help your brother when he's struggling? Sister, can you help your sister when she's struggling? Have you, have you gone to a point in your friendship where it's no longer just, hey, how's it going? How's your week? Good, good. Okay, bye. Have a great afternoon. See you tonight. Has your relationship with another individual in the church has, has excelled past that, and now you're looking into their life and you're helping each other? Hey, brother, I'm, I'm really struggling with music at the moment. Man, there's this song that just keeps hitting my mind. Can you help me pray about that? Or is your relationship as shallow as shallow can be? Why? Because we're here to edify each other. And it's our responsibility to help one another grow, amen? It's not just the pastors. Do you know Pastor Hernan gets weary? Have you noticed that? Do you know people that work in the church, they get weary? Do you know the, the people that are serving in orchestra and singing in choir, they get tired? And maybe you're the one with a glass of water that says, hey, I want to be a help to you. Here it is. And the concept today is that are we allowing someone else to deal with the friends that we have because we're too scared? Because all we talk about is the love of Jesus Christ, but we never apply it. Man, I, I, man it, it gets me. It gets me to the, to the core when someone goes, oh, oh, man, I love Jesus so much. But you never apply it in your life. You say you love him, man. Eh? Why don't you help your brother or your sister? I was teaching our daughter, Shiloh, um, some verses yesterday. Do you know the, the greatest verses, the, verse, uh, the commandments? The greatest commandments? Do you know what hangs the law and all the prophets? You have to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might, and love thy neighbor as thyself. These two hang the law and all the prophets as well. My child knows that. But are we helping each other out? Do you want do you know one of the things that you get the opportunity to, when, especially if you go to a church where um, they, don't, they don't have all the fanciest stuff? I, I watch ladies bring in um, calamansi and mandarins in a bag, and they, they put it here, right here. So we don't have any money. 
but this is from my crop. This is for the Lord. And they use that for the fellowship lunch. Amen. Because they're independent Baptists. Why? Because they understand the Lord gives them, and if it's not money, it's fruits. Gives them health. Gives them an opportunity to come to church. When you, have, when you get the opportunity, God willing, one day we'll get to visit the Philippines. And I, I know there's many places around the world, and, and I'm not biased because it's my country. It's just because I've been there. I just went there, came back from there. You'll notice a couple of things. That when someone needs help, everyone is there. It's sad sometimes when you need help and you don't even know who to call. You're not close to anyone. You've never, you've never opened yourself to anyone because you want to be seen this way. You want to be seen as a person that has taken care of everything, is the, the, the best father or, or, or the best mother. And the problem is, is because we have this facade, we never get helped because no one thinks we need help. And maybe God's just resurrecting you a little bit in your heart, saying, hey, maybe you should open up your mouth a little bit more. Maybe you should study the differences between Catholicism and Seventh-day Adventists. Maybe you should study a little bit more about your Bible and how you can share some truths in the Bible about walking with the Lord. Because this month, is a theme is, I am determined to walk with God. That's our theme for this month. And we should propel each other forward to walk with God. Amen? Lose Him. But then, secondly, he, asks, he tells them to let Him go. Those whom would desire to keep Him for themselves. Those that would hinder Him to do what He is called to do. Jesus Christ commanded them to let him go. Ministry leaders, and I'm just going to be blunt today. If you're not careful, you're just going to hoard people in your ministry. But God doesn't want them to stay there. Ministry leaders, there's going to be people that come your way and for that season, God allows them to serve with you and they serve really well and they fit in the mold. But God will one day say to him or to her, it's time for you to move on. I want you to do this in your life. And if we're not careful as Christians and as leaders, we cannot differentiate whether that person's walking with the Lord or selfish desires, whatever it may be. And we hinder them from going forward for God why? Because their spot's here. No, 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 no they're here. And the, and the danger is, is as leaders, if we're not walking with the Lord ourselves, we may not see it. And what we do is we cap someone's productivity. We cap someone's um, desire to, to, to be used of God. Why? Because they fit in the mold. Because they fit in that place. And we're too scared to let them go by faith. And some of you, you have no clue what I'm just saying. But there are some here that do understand. Ministry leaders, understand that maybe God changes 
direction for people. Be willing for them to, to go. Let them go. Don't question them. Don't get upset at them. They come to you and say, God, God, God's working in my life and I, I don't think he wants me to be in this ministry anymore. Don't, don't berate them. Jesus Christ commanded these men, these ladies, first to open, open the tomb. Now it's to loose him. But thirdly, to let him go. Lazarus didn't only just was revived and wasn't brought back from the dead just to be your friend, just to be your co-partner. Lazarus was brought back for something else, something greater. And if we're not careful, church, we do the exact same thing with our children. And God revives them. And God speaks to their heart about something for the Lord. And they have a desire to walk with God. And if we're not careful as parents, myself included, is we will cap what God will do in their life because we want them to stay right next to mommy and daddy. Right here. Because we can control them. Because we can steer them. The Holy Spirit is working in their heart saying that, no, no, it's time for them to do something for me. Don't be the one that that holds on. Amen? It is our responsibility to help the resurrected. Amen? It is our responsibility. Lose him and let him go. Thirdly and lastly, simply this. Expect to face opposition. Expect to face opposition. See, the time difference in, um, in Philippines to Australia is not that bad. It is pretty bad when you, you're a regimented sleeper, like myself. If you, if you move your sleep three hours back, so that's Filipino time, we're three hours back, so it's just almost about 9 o'clock in the Philippines. When you do that for consecutive days, your body begins to think that, okay, this is now the sleeping pattern. Right, you get tired. You get tired. When I was here this morning when we had our meeting, I was tired. Why? Because it was only 6 o'clock in the Philippines. You know what I mean? So it was, it was real early over there. He said, you're only gone for seven days. I know, but, you know, like myself, I like to sleep a certain time. Um, when I got to the Philippines, I, like what I was sharing to you, I, there's different temperature, different smells. Oh, mercy. <laughs> You're always sweating, and there's dogs everywhere. I kid you not, like everywhere. And um, I was witnessing, it was about 11.30 at night. Um, and we went through the whole afternoon, I was sharing the gospel to this teacher. And one of the ladies, um, a cousin of my grandma, midway, I, I, I won't forget it. Come into the house. Starts wailing. And if you haven't heard wailing before, it's a, it's a deafening sound. She begins wailing. She starts talking to my grandma. Starts shaking the casket. She's on top of the casket, screaming, asking for forgiveness. I don't know what it was. I mean that... And that man, 
I didn't say anything. We just, we waited for it to pass. 10 minutes, 15 minutes later, it stopped. She passed out. After that, a cat came in and sat in front of us and was purring for I don't know how long. You say, oh, you're trying to be spooky. I'm not being spooky. I'm just telling you what happened. Not only that, after that, the, the sort of kicked the cat, or gently removed the cat out of the vicinity. Um, one, of my, one of my nephews or my nieces went berserk upstairs. Do you know what? After a while, I, I began to get the concept. I, I began to understand what was going on. That what we were doing was not engaging in a physical con- conversation, even though it was. What we were doing was we were engaging into a, a spiritual battle that was happening. And it was warring with this man's soul. And do you know what? At the end of that night, and, and I was tired and I was wrecked. But do you know what? Through the scriptures, we got to share the gospel to him. And he got saved. Mercy. And you say, how many times did that happen? Almost every single time we took the Bible out and we shared the gospel of Jesus, there was a drunk that would come in. Every single time we did something like that, a dog will come in or something will happen. Why? Because now you're engaging into spiritual warfare. Ephesians 6.12. And if we're not careful, here in Australia, we might just say it's coincidence. And the attitude that your wife had to you this morning that ticked you off. And you might say to yourself, oh, why is she doing that? No, no, there's spiritual battles going on. But we've associated it with some other thing. And it might not be as evident, but it's there. The 20 people that received Jesus Christ this week, it wasn't you, raise your hand, you get saved. No, no. Every person, it was either my dad or myself. We took out the Bible and we started from the start. Everyone is a sinner. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Do you understand that? Yes, I understand that. We went through the scriptures, every single one of them. And every one of them signed a piece of paper and said, you know, today I got saved. You know, one of them was a homosexual. No, 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 homosexuals can't get saved. Are you God? Homosexuality is a sin, just like murder is a sin. And they need Jesus Christ, amen? And now we're getting so scared of them because we're going to be called a bigot. No, you're going to get more proud and more loud. Why? Because the truth is there. And they're living in sin, and they know it. And there's no joy there. But man, seeing, a, seeing someone that was homosexual get saved brought a tear to my eye. Why? Because God still saves people. Don't get scared of it. Just like how we witness to Muslims or whoever it may be. You keep sharing the gospel. And you say, Brother EJ, is there people there that, that said no to you? Yeah, 100%. For sure. They'll say, oh, not tonight. Oh, another day. Not ready. Well, you keep persistent. Church, that's two people. Two people. Oh, three people, including my mom, endeavoring to see people get saved. 20 souls. 
Now imagine if we had a group of yous. Amen. That went out for the specific purpose to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. In your mind, you're going, wow, that's crazy. You know, church, we're doing that. We're doing that at the end of this month. Over 20 of us from this church represented, and about 20 of them, Faith Baptist Church, another 20 from up in Queensland, who go together for the sole purpose of this, to see people get saved. So don't always think that overseas is only fruit. No, no, there's fruit here. You're here for a purpose, amen? You're here for a reason. We're not living in Philippines at the moment. No, no, we're living in Australia. And what God really confirmed in my life while I was there, even though I saw so much fruit, is that there is a harvest of souls here that we just need to get move on and do something about. Why? Because we're responsible to take care of those that are resurrected. And maybe your area that you're struggling with is not whether you want to do something for God. It's the fact that you're going to get persecution because you are. Church members, there, there are people in this church right now they get persecuted because they go to church. They get berated by their parents, by their wife, by their family because they decided to go to church instead of going to the, to the game or decided to go to church instead of going for a hike. There are people today that are here that experience that every week. Expect opposition. Amen. Expect Opposition. I'll tell you why. In John chapter 12, verse 9. Let's turn there. Now, finish off. <coughs> John chapter 12, verse 9. John chapter 12, verse 9 states this. Much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus, who also whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to, what does that say? Death. Because God is working in your heart. Don't think that there won't be no persecution. Don't think there will be a bed of roses. Just because you've started coming back to church doesn't mean that your whole life is going to get all back together again and it'll be all sweet and hunky-dory. No, the truth is, is that when you start coming and you start engaging in spiritual warfare, there is more battle that you need to face. And there's more things that you need to experience. And what I'm telling you is that... that <laughs> Mercy, that, that every time you take a step forward for God, people and things and beings, they notice. God also notices, amen. So when you decide to have some Bible study with your family every night, God understands and God sees that. Same does the enemy. And then you wonder why your kids are so fussy during that hour. And you wonder why you get so tired during that time. You know what? Press through that. 
pressed through that. Today I was wrecked. I was tired. I came in. And you know what? I said to myself, you know, I could, I could just easily fold and just be a dummy. But I said to God, God, again, please, do something. It's only hot where the battle's at. If you're, if you're not experiencing this, brace yourself. Brace yourself or get engaged. Because this is a spiritual battle that we're in. It might not make sense to some of you. But those that have been faithfully serving, you understand. You know how hard it is to go to practice. It's hard, man. Why? Because it's a spiritual battle. You know how hard it is to teach your kids and, and learn what you need to teach, your curriculums? It's hard. Why? Because it's a spiritual battle. But do you know that the byproduct of everything that was done, Jesus Christ, when he, he prayed to God, he didn't pray to God for himself. He prayed for other people. The byproduct and the end result of everything that came to pass in this, in this story in the Bible was that people believed Jesus. God got the glory. Lazarus didn't get the glory. He just got the privilege to live another life. But you know what? Lazarus died again. Jesus Christ didn't die again. Amen. I want to show to this with you and, and we'll finish up. Revelations. Revelations chapter 21. God's thoughts are greater than our thoughts. We are responsible to help those who have been resurrected. And thirdly, expect to face opposition. Revelations 21, verse 3. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God. Verse 4, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Amen. That is a hope that you have, Christian. That is a hope that your unsaved friend doesn't. So the lessons from the dead. God's thought is greater than ours. We are responsible to help the resurrected. And thirdly, we need to expect, expect opposition. From one life, God brought 20 more. And I'm praying that those 20 will one day share the gospel to their friends and bring more. You know, there was this one point, and I'll finish off with this. There was this one point, it was a, it was a Saturday night. And there was, at that point, there was about 
14 professions of faith, 14 people that got saved. And I thought to myself, man, am I using the death of my grandma to sort of manipulate the situation? And really, I, I did ask myself this. It was a Saturday night. My grandma was going to be buried on Monday. And do you know what? I realized something. If my grandma was next to me, she would have wanted it that way. The best sign of respect for someone that is saved is so that other people can hear the gospel of Jesus. And that night, again, people already saved. 14 people already got saved the last three nights. I said, God, I'm not doing this for me. We're not doing this for a church. We're doing it so that your name will be glorified. And that my Lola will have more crowns in heaven. Because we cannot give her money anymore. But we can give her crowns. We can give her an opportunity to know that her death brought life to 20 others. And there are others that said that they got saved after the sermon, but 20 are the ones that we personally st- we spoke to. So church, please pray for them. Pray for my parents. Pray that God will move in their hearts to, to allow them to go faster than November. And it burdens my heart to know that. Because November is a long time. And these people need to get grounded in the faith. They need to get baptized. They need to grow. So pray for them. Amen? That's the message. That's the lesson from the dead. Hopefully it helped you. That was what God really spoke to my heart about this week. I know it's simple, but we really need to get a move on. Because people are dying. People need to hear about Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father, again, we come before you. And again, we, we thank you for the privilege, the privilege it is to be partakers, to be spokespersons of the blessed truth of the gospel. Thank you, Father, for dying on the cross for our sin and for allowing us to have the privilege to live where we are, to work where we are, to come to the church that we go to. I pray, Father, that you help us not take this privilege and flush it down the drain. But Father, use this privilege to glorify you, to see more souls saved. So that, Father, your name will be ultimately glorified through what we do. God, you are a merciful God to us. And Lord, I thank you again for the opportunity to preach. Lord, I, I pray for our pastor. I ask, Lord, that you help us to be men and women, Lord, that, that pray for him daily. And ask him, and ask you, Lord, to bless his life. Thank you for his service for us. No one looking around, eyes closed, heads bowed. Um, this morning, um, I'd just like to ask the church, if, if there's anyone here um, that does not know that you're going to heaven, to raise your hand right now. No one's looking around. 
He said, Brother EJ, I don't understand half of the things you said, but I know one thing. I don't know if I die that I will go to heaven. Is that you? If that's you this morning, would you like to put, raise your hand? It's just between me, you, and God. I pray this is the case. I did not see any hands. But Christian, is that you today that, that has neglected your responsibility to help those that have been resurrected? Maybe you yourself have areas in your life that you've killed off. Only for the Lord to say, hey, get back to it. Serve again. Love again. Sacrifice again. You say, Brother EJ, I'd like to have some prayer. Is that, is that you today? Just feel free to raise your hand right now. I see the hand over there. Anybody else that say, Brother EJ, could you pray for me? I, I'm, I'm, I, I want to I just get back on track. Amen. I see that hand. You may put it down. I see that hand over there. Church, it's, again, it's a, it's a beautiful thing when the church of God, again, sees their responsibility. Let's pray. Father, again, we, we thank you. <laughs> and for those that have raised their hands asking for, for prayer, Lord, we understand that there's only one mediator between God and man, and that's your son, Jesus Christ. And so I pray, Lord, that you help them to continue to be faithful, serving you, to love you, and, Lord, again, consecrate their life for you. And, Lord, for those that are still not sure, still trying to figure out what was said, I ask, Lord, that you illuminate their mind and you help them to see through the Scriptures our responsibility as Christians to help each other and, Lord, to expect, Lord, that there will be some consequences to our furtherance for you and some times of hardships that will come. But Lord, help us to stay faithful. Help us to love you. Lord, thank you for those that have been faithful these last 20-something years here in Seven Hills. I thank you, Lord, for our heritage here. I pray, Lord, that you continue us. You help us to glorify you with what we do. Bless us today and this afternoon. In Jesus' name, amen. Sing a song.